Hey, this is Dr. Evans Kariuki. Welcome to Firebrand Nation. Your life will never be the same as you go through these teachings. These are teachings for soul winners. Here at Firebrand Nation, we believe that we are called to reach one soul every second. This podcast is designed for soul winners who hunger and thirst to see the lost come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. In the morning, we define success in a very specific way. We said success, number one, is when the people you serve, the people you're with, your sons and daughters, the people that you're called to serve, they look at you and they acknowledge that you are a success. Number two, we also said that at a good old age, you will live long and a good old age, like David in First Chronicles 29 verse 28. If you want that whole teaching, it's available on my podcast. It's available on my podcast. Then we also said you will live to be full of days. Then we said also success is when you have an abundance of riches. Abundance of riches. Do not refuse to be rich. Have an abundance of riches because it allows you to fulfill the purpose of God for your life. I remember when I accepted my calling into ministry, I told God my only request is don't make me a begging preacher. I'll never want to stand in front of people and beg. You figure out how to pay the bills. You figure out how to take care of the tables, but I will never beg. Actually, for me to even beg someone, oh, it's very difficult. I would rather do it myself before I can even beg anyone. I would rather do it myself. I'd rather do it myself. So it is important to be rich. Next, to have honor. You will have an abundance of honor. And that is a definition of success. The Proverbs 31 woman was successful because her husband was honored and she too was honored. I receive, receive right now where you are. Receive an abundance of honor. Receive an abundance of riches. Receive an abundance, the fullness of days in Jesus' mighty name. The next definition of success, we said that success is not just for you, it's also for your children. That means the Bible says Solomon, his son, reigned in his stead. If you look at the life of David, you realize that Solomon reigned instead of David. Ah, success you must have a successor. How many of you are ready to raise a successor? How many of you are saying my life's work is not going to waste away? Let me see you, those of you on the internet, let me see you just lift up our hands and say, I will raise a successor in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. So that's the definition of success. And we said the first precept of success is who are you following? And the second precept is how are you following? Who are you following and how are you following? Who are you following means which anointing are you receiving from? How are you following means how are you submitted to that anointing? It's not only important just to follow, it's important to be submitted. 
because the Bible tells us that Caleb had another spirit and that is how Caleb inherited the land and others did not inherit because he had another spirit. So you must follow with another spirit. What's another spirit? You'll hear me say this a lot because these are principles I believe in. Another spirit is to follow fully, fully. What does that mean? To give yourself Holy. The Bible says Caleb had another spirit because he followed fully, fully. He was a full follower. Paul said, follow us as we follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. So it's important not just to identify the anointing. And we said in the morning that you need to write down the anointing that you draw out of. And you need to know the legacy of that anointing. I hope you've caught up with where we are today. Let us go to principle number three. Principle number three. And I am going to be using some personal examples in my life and examples that I have seen in other ministers. Principle number three. You must be willing to begin small. Do not be embarrassed of small beginnings. Don't be ashamed of small beginnings. Because a lot of people quit when the beginning is small. Let's take a look at the life of David. We're talking practical things. Principle. Do not be ashamed or embarrassed of small beginnings. The Bible says do not forsake the days of small beginnings. Look at this. 1 Samuel chapter 17 Verse 28, 1 Samuel 17, verse 28. 1 Samuel 17, 28. This is what the Bible says. And Eliab, his eldest brother, had when he spake unto the men. And Eliab, anger was kindled against David. And he said, why comest thou here? And whom have thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? You know, everybody has an Eliab. I'm going to talk to you about Eliab here shortly. But the Bible says when David began walking towards his Goliath, when David had received his anointing, and he began walking towards where God has called him to, his own brother, Eliab, came and said, David, why have you come to these battles of big men? Who have you left the sheep with? Those little sheep. They actually insulted him by saying, those few sheep, who have you left them with? Who have you left those few sheep with? In ministry, you must be willing to be like David. You must be willing to have few sheep. As a pastor, I have pastored five people. I've pastored ten people. I've pastored a hundred people. By the way, one thing about me, whether there is two people in the building or two hundred, there is no difference. The spirit of God, the teaching of the word, the power is still there. Now, of course, a room that is full has a different dimension and a different feel. But when it comes to what is being taught, 
it's still the same, you know. Do not be embarrassed or ashamed of small beginnings. I see people with such powerful YouTube, Facebook, they are teaching the truth. But because there are only two followers or two likes, they stop doing what God has called them to do because of such few things. I see department heads and leaders giving up a department because, oh, pastor, I only have two people in my department. Who told you you need 20? Do you know the more people you have, the more problems you have? Sometimes you thank God for the little. Thank, how many of you are grateful for your little sheep? How many of you are grateful for your little sheep? Yeah. There was a time even in Firebrand Nation, we had grown to a couple hundred people, so many. And I told our leaders, this is not good. Shrink it down. Bring it down to a few people. Because the more we are, we are not as effective as we could be. You don't need everybody. It's do not get wrapped up in this chasing numbers game. Oh, they have 1 million followers. They have 10 million. They have 30 million. No, that will stop your success. Hear me now. That ideology of looking at numbers will stop your success. You have been called to reach a select group of people. Reach them and let God be glorified in that. Don't be wrapped up in numbers because being wrapped up in numbers will cause you to rush success. I said I am going to give life examples. When I began pastoring full-time and got, got focused on the local church pastoring, I knew my style of ministry will cause a few people to be shaken out of the church. And as a pastor, I had to be okay with it because sometimes you have to prune and cut for you to grow. Now, if you're always looking for numbers, you'll never be willing to make the adjustments that are needed. Do you know ministry sometimes requires you to make adjustments? You've got to make adjustments. You've got to say, I have too many people around me. I need to shake this thing up a little bit. I need to bring this thing down a little bit and I'm not going to focus on the numbers. I declare unto you your days of looking at, at, at the wrong thing and focusing on numbers is over. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Do not be ashamed of small beginnings. So what you're praying for, for, for two people. That two people are the ones that you can change for the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the mighty name of Jesus, I free you from the, from the torment that comes from thinking you are not being effective because you have few sheep. In the mighty name of Jesus. We must be faithful with the few. Come on, put that right there in your, in your notebook. I must be faithful with the few. And those of you who are out of town, put it in the chat or wherever you're watching this and say, I must be faithful with the few. When you are not faithful with the few, it causes you to attempt to rush the process of success. Pay attention to your pastor. Let me explain exactly what I mean. When you attempt to rush the process of success, you miss very important steps. What does rush the process of success mean? When God calls you, I've taught you that God called Abraham alone. So God calls you to do a certain thing, to succeed in a certain thing. 
And then you realize, oh, I am the only one who is excited about this thing. Do you know when I started Firebrand Nation, I was the only one who knew even what the word Firebrand meant. Like no one even knew what it meant. And then one person got it, then another one. And I used to wonder, why aren't you feeling it like I'm feeling it? Why aren't you getting this thing? But do you know, if I was trying to rush success, I would have tried to fit the mold of everyone else. Let me explain. When I began pastoring, the, the mold of what a pastor should look like, you know, shiny suits and those that look just not, not you know, firebrand, sometimes we are a bit aggressive with the word. Uh, but just that look and feel, which some of them are not even biblical. But I fought a lot of trying to fit in to the mold that people want you to fit into. But when you try to rush success, you end up not being your authentic self. Make a note of what I'm saying. Lord Jesus, let your people get this. When you try to rush success, you try to do everything that everyone else is doing while God has called you to a different anointing. I don't know if you're receiving this. When you try to rush something, have you ever seen a small girl trying to rush to be a woman? What are the things she does? She actually does the wrong things. You know, girls who want to be a woman, they, they put on fake breasts, they put the cotton wool in their breast, they put makeup. They don't even know what the makeup is there for. They put on big dresses and sometimes short dresses, trying to look like a woman. They actually do the wrong thing trying to look the part. That is the sign of you're trying to rush it. You're trying to rush it. And this thing tormented me, y'all. I was trying to see. The church needs to grow. What do I need to do? Do I need to do this? Do I need to do that? And God told me, be still and know that I am God. When I called you, I knew why I was calling you. And I say the same message to you. God knows why he was calling you. Delay is not denial. God has a great plan for you. Lift up your hands. I feel an anointing. Right now in the mighty name of Jesus, you're not going to rush. You're not going to rush. You're going to sit and enjoy what God has for you in the journey. Receive this right now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. If God gives you two people, people to minister to. Minister to those two. If God gives you five people, minister to those five and God will be glorified in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. On this principle of small things, there are several things you must learn. Number one, you must learn the power of strengthening what remains. We are now talking about small things and in small things, Example number one or 1.1 1 .1 is we must be willing to strengthen what remains. When you feel like all you have is a few sheep, do you know if all you have is two sheep, you can use those two 
to raise up many more. What does strengthen what remains means? It means if you have a seed, for example, or two sheep, for example, take those two sheep and treat them the best because those two are the ones that will provide other sheep. I'm giving you secrets of success. A lot of people are focusing on the viewers that they don't have yet, the members that they don't have yet, and they are forgetting the ones that they do have. Jesus focused on 12, and the 12 went out and reached the millions. Are you seeing the concept of strengthening what remains? So if you run a department, run a business, run whatever God has called you to do, do not complain about the little you have, even about your money. Don't complain about the little you have. Take the little you have and strengthen it. Strengthen it by using it more efficiently. Strengthen it by respecting what you have. Somebody says strengthen what remains. Strengthen what remains. It's a biblical principle. Along with the same topic of small things, go with me to Luke chapter 16, verse 10. Luke 16, verse 10. This is my new Bible bought for me by a friend of mine. I thank God for people who give me good gifts. They saw my Bible was torn and they said, you know, let's do something about it. Or the Spirit of God showed them and they did something about it. I love it. It's a great Bible. Luke chapter 16 and we are going to verse 10. Luke 16 verse 10. When you get there, give the Lord a great amen. And I hope you are writing these scriptures. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. Luke 16, verse 10. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is also in much. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, talking about money, who will commit unto you? to commit to your trust the true riches. If you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve God and money. Look at what Jesus teaches about these little things. He says, you must be faithful with small things. You want to succeed? You want to grow? You want to do something great? Today you're being taught how to do it. I've had an honor at a very young age to raise great businesses, great businesses in Africa, in America, great businesses. I do ministry out of obligation to the call of God, not for anything else. 
not for anything else. And also in ministry, God has blessed me. International ministry. And God has given me that grace. I say that in humility to let you know that I have experienced what I am teaching you. This is not just something I picked out. When God begins to do something in your life, are you willing to be faithful in the small things? I can know how you're going to spend a million dollars based on how you spend a hundred dollars. And hear me, leaders, especially leaders who have to bring people into their teams or have to hire people, never, never give anyone a position who has not been tried in small things. If someone is not faithful in the small things, they will not be faithful in the big things. There was one leader who was a great general in the army. He had led great armies. And they asked him, how did you become so great? He said, I made a decision. And when he said he made a decision, the person who was asking the question said, tell us what decision you made. And he said, do you have a pen? Do you have a paper? He said, yes, I do. And he said, I made the decision. Everyone was attentive. Everyone was ready to write. He said, I made the decision to make my bed every morning. That no day in my life will I ever miss making my bed. Will I ever miss making my bed. If you look at someone like Bill Gates, you, you read their history, you find out they made a decision. They are going to be waking up at a certain time. For me in my ministry, I made a decision. 4 a.m., I'm out of the bed praying. And that one decision changed my ministry forever. Now, of course, with travel and everything and times, it gets mixed up. But the whole point still applies. Small faithfulness with small things causes faithfulness with large things. Let me talk to people who are in a dating relationship. You have a beloved. You need to look how does your beloved or the person you're dating, how do they respect the small things? Are they talking to you about big dreams of I will marry you, I will give you the world, but they cannot even value your time right now. You're the one who's always calling them and looking for them. Don't focus on the big dreams. Look at how they handle the small things. It's the small things that will determine. You know, when you tell them, hey, don't touch me or don't, don't do this, do they listen? Because if they listen in the small things, do you know how I knew my wife was going to be my wife? Because when I saw her, I valued her holiness. I did not even want to be close to her because I didn't even want to open a small door. I wanted her to be precious as she was. Now, of course, after the wedding night, Lord Jesus, glory. We'll leave that to the married couples. But I valued the small things, you know. And my mom is on the call today, so let me be nice. I valued the small things. If someone does not respect the small things, they will not respect the big ones. Jesus said, be faithful with the small things, 
Next, Jesus also said, be faithful with another man's. Have you been faithful with another man's? I taught you in the morning that the anointing is with the anointed. Today when I go to my pastor's uh, church in Columbus, Ohio, a place that I am well respected, a place that if I wanted to just go on the pulpit and preach, the pulpit is open for me. We have a very good relationship. People actually respect me as their pastor there. We have a good relationship. Now, when I go to Columbus, I always go to the warehouse and I tell my pastor, what do you need me to do for you? Where can I serve you? Because I must be faithful with someone else's for God to give me my own. My question to you, who has circumcised you in ministry? Who has trained you? Who has told you no when you wanted to hear yes? Who has told you stop when you wanted to go? Do you know I see many people failing in ministry because they, they, they say things like, I hear God for myself. I had God for myself. I had God for myself, so I'm going to do this thing that I want to do. Especially when it comes to relationships and marriage. Do you know as a pastor, one of the biggest frustrations is people come to you to tell you who they are going to marry, to tell you, they in fact just invite you to the wedding date to be uh, to, because, because the law says so, because the Bible says so. They, they don't intend to involve you in their relationships. They just tell you, come for the wedding day. Come be the pastor, say these words. In fact, they give you a script. Say these words, do these things. Me, I said I'm not doing that. I am not doing that no more. No more, because you'll ask me to bless your mess. I cannot bless your mess. I refuse to lay hands on people for ministry because they think they are called. Let me try your calling. Let me prove your calling. And me doing this is caring for you. Caring for you. It's caring. A lot of pastors are not willing to say this because they are afraid of losing people. I am no longer afraid. I'm not going to lay hands on anyone quickly and put someone in place that at the end of the day they will bring a shame to the name of the gospel of Jesus Christ. No more, no more, no more in Jesus' name. Be faithful with someone else's and someone else can approve your calling. Who have you been faithful with? Who have you been faithful with? And let me tell you, it may not be a problem now until the day you think you're anointed. Do you know for me, when we were going to Africa to do ministry, I had to come back to Knoxville and tell my pastor, Pastor Davis, God has called me to do this and this and this and this. What do you think about it? And he said, okay, let me think about it. I'm not going to give you an answer now. And one day he texted me and said, come, I'm going to pray for you. And at our east location, he anointed us and said, the only condition is this. When you go to Africa, do not forget America. I want you to come back here as often as you can. And every time I came to Knoxville, I'd say I'm in town. He'd say, good, I get to take a break. You're preaching next Sunday. You're preaching next Wednesday. You're preaching this day. And I said, no problem, daddy. Let's move forward. My pastor, Pastor Parsley, I always serve him. And there is a day he actually called my wife and I and said, I do not want you to do this. And what did I say? 
I said, yes, sir. And I called my wife together and I said, let us make the adjustments where adjustments need to be made. And we made adjustments and God caused us to flourish and grow in our calling. So who can tell you yes and no? To tell you yes when you think it's no. To tell you no when you think it's yes. You know, the reason for success is because you are connected to a successor. There are no lone rangers. Jesus said in Luke chapter 16 verse 12, the principle of being faithful with another man's. Next, being faithful with money, little or small money, will determine your success. On Sunday I said, if God has blessed you with little, that little can cause you to get much more. Have you been faithful with the little money that you have? One of the greatest signs that someone is anointed and full of the Holy Spirit is how they handle money. And one of the greatest signs of immaturity of a believer, guess what it is? It's how they handle money. It's how they handle money. If someone cannot handle money as a believer, they are not ready for the glory of God. One day my mother was flying on an aeroplane and she was a struggling minister. And God said, put your house in order. Put your house in order. And that one small instruction changed her life forever. Changed her life forever. We are still in the topic of small things today. So we have said you must be faithful with small things. You must be faithful with another man's things. And you must be faithful with money. My question to you, are you a tither? I'm not asking you if you are called because the Bible says many are called, but the Bible says few are chosen. Are you a tither? Do you know the Bible says that tithing is the small thing? Small, small, small thing. But if you cannot even be faithful with tithing, my friend, how can God trust you with much more? Jesus had a lot to say about money. Lift up your hands. Lift up your hands. We are praying these principles before we move to the next point. Pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that I need to be faithful with little things, faithful with few sheep, faithful with small influence, faithful with small things, faithful with my small numbers, faithful with my small records, faithful with small, small things. And I acknowledge also that I must be faithful with someone else's. Lord, release an anointing of faithfulness over your people today in Jesus' mighty name. Release an anointing to be faithful with small things. Release an anointing to be faithful with another man's things. And release an anointing to be faithful with money. Now lift up your hands and receive it in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Jesus. So you must be faithful with small things. Number two, you must be faithful with mediocre, mediocre things. I wish I had another word for mediocre. You know, I use a lot of the Queen's English. Insignificant. Things that seem insignificant. 
So not only are they little, but they seem insignificant. Let me explain. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 21. 1 Samuel 16, 21. Are you in the house? Give the Lord a great amen where you are. 1 Samuel 16, 21. And David came to Saul and stood before him. And he loved him greatly. And he became his armor bearer. David loved Saul and became his armor bearer. I want you to think about this. David was a anointed king. David was called to be great. David was chosen. David was a great musician. David was a great psalmist. David was a great man. But the Bible says he chose this small, lowly job. Lowly job. You know, armor bearers today, in America especially, are very glamorous. An armor bearer walks with, with the preacher. Do you know what an armor bearer does in the Bible? An armor bearer, when the prophet goes to the toilet, the armor bearer wipes them. An armor bearer, when the king goes to war, they hold their armor. And when the king gets shot, what do you think the armor bearer does? He takes the shot for the king. Goes and gets shot so the king doesn't get shot. An armor bearer in the Bible, when the king needs to drink something that may be poisonous, the armor bearer is the one who is given to test the poison. There is a lot of sufferings with being an armor bearer. There is a lot of small nonsense jobs. Let me explain. The armor bearer is there to be seen but not heard. Not even seen. The armor bearer is there to do what the king should not be doing. The armor bearer is there to do the work the king. The little things that the king should not be doing. Small things. But imagine if you are now full of big manism, big manism, and you're serving the big man, you will never, you will never be an armor bearer with a big head. With a big head, you can't do it. You know, one day I had someone, an armor bearer of a pastor, say, I could have preached that message better than him. You're foolish. Foolish. That's how you kill your calling. And armor bearers think. They make the man. They think they make the man. And that's how they kill their calling. That's how they kill their calling. I have seen it. I have seen armor bearers tell pastors how they should be. Oh, you did not do this well. You did not do that well. Do this, do that. Who told you you're there to speak? When I am a bearer at my pastor, oh, ask somebody. Ask somebody. Actually, my pastor's wife used to wonder, why doesn't this man talk? 
She actually told me that one day. She said, you never spoke. You never said anything. Because I'm not there to give advice. I'm there to serve. When his shoes need to be cleaned, let me get the cleaner and polish the shoes. When his shirt needs to be changed, it's an honor. And now look at what God has done in my life. Look at what God has done in my life. The way up is down in Jesus' name. With my pastor, Pastor Parsley now, imagine me advising him on sermons. What a fool I would be. I'm the one who should be receiving from him, you know. I'm the one who should be washing his hands. Sometimes you see Amabearas enter the room and they sit like this. Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? You good? Me, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah, um, man, somebody should get us some water in here. I'm thirsty. You thirsty, pastor? Yeah, somebody needs to get us some water. And that's how you miss the blessing. Because you're not willing to do small things. To do small things. There is a story about a mighty man of God in Nigeria the largest denomination, deliverance, denomination, deliverance church. The senior pastor, one day God showed him that he's going to bring a man to him. And God said, this man is coming to you. You need to raise him to be your successor. And that man came to the church and sat at the church. And he told the pastor, I've been sent here to, to sit under your anointing, God told me. And the man looked exactly like who God had showed him. And do you know what the pastor did? He told the man, I'm giving you an assignment. You're going to become the toilet cleaner for this church. And you will never be paid for it. And the day I remove you, I remove you from toilet cleaning, is the day you leave. But until then, every toilet you will clean them. And the man said, great, I'm going to go clean the toilet. And he went and cleaned the toilets. He cleaned the toilets for 17 years. 17 years. 17 years. Cleaned the toilet, went to the service. Cleaned the toilet, went to the service. Cleaned the toilet, went to the service. When the man of God died, he had a note that he gave his leadership. Said, when I go to be with the Lord, this is the person who's taking over. And he said to his leaders, the Lord has called me, I'm going. And when he died, when they opened the note, toilet cleaner was the one who became the pastor. Because of 17 years of cleaning faithfully. And today, they are the largest denomination in Africa. Are you willing to do mediocre jobs? Not for a month, not for two months. Are you willing to be a paper boy? Are you willing to be sent around? Go do this, go do small nonsense jobs. The jobs that are beneath you. You know, sometimes we have big manism in our head. Small things, small things. Last, next point for today. Next point. We said small things, we said mediocre jobs. Next you must be willing to silence and turn away from your haters and your despisers. 
success is going to have to call you. Success will cause you to turn away from haters and despisers. If you're not the type of person who can shut people off, you're not ready for success. Because God will send you the Judas, the people amongst you that come to drain your anointing. They did not come to help. They came to drain and slow you down. Everyone has them. Everyone has them. On your road to success, there are people who will be sent to drain the anointing in your life. They will be sent to drain the anointing in your life. They will be sent to drain the anointing in your life. What does that mean? 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 28 to 30. Pay attention to this point. 1 Samuel 17, 28 to 30. Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why comest thou down hither? Why comest thou hither? Then the Bible says that he says, And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? Those few sheep in the wilderness. I know thy pride. Now look at Eliab telling David he's proud. I know thy pride and thy naughtiness of heart. People get familiar with you and they start calling you out your name. Eliab knew David was anointed. Don't forget, Eliab knew David was called. You must be willing to overcome haters. People who think you don't know what you're doing. People who think that you, you're not on the right track. And unfortunately, I must say this, these are usually people who you have let come close to you and even family members. They tell you, oh, you should not be a preacher. Oh, you should not be this because they did not hear God like you had God. They are familiar. They got familiar. They got too close. Nobody, when you are anointed, nobody apart from your spiritual authority has the grace to correct or get you right. Like, let me fix you. Oh, no. Oh, I am not in the business of correcting my bishop. I am here to serve my bishop, serve my pastor. That is how I succeed. Because if I go trying to correct them, guess what? Even me, there will be disloyalty in my camp. The, the soldier, when he went to Jesus, he said, I understand authority because I am a man under authority. I'm under authority, so I get it. I get it. Eliab was familiar with David. Said, who? You're, 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 you're naughty in your heart. You're full of, proud, of pride. For thou came down that thou mayest see the battle. And David said, what have I done? So pastor, what do I do when the haters begin to speak? What do I do when they start talking about me online and talking about me on Facebook and start getting too familiar that they start calling me out? Oh, I can tell you stories. I've had people sit me in boardrooms and tell me I don't know the word of God. I've had people sit me down and tell me how young I am, how misguided I am, 
And do you know what I said? I said, you did not call me, you did not anoint me, you did not appoint me. If you have a problem with me, go to my pastor, go to my so-and-so, but the only person I receive that kind of counsel from are the ones who have laid hands on me. That does not mean I'm a rebel. It doesn't. Because when my pastor corrects me, I say, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Because he has that access. Look at Eliab. Then David said, what have I now done? And he says, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? When the haters begin to come, I feel my preach coming. When the haters begin to come, when the naysayers begin to come, when the despisers begin to come, what do you do? You go back to the cause. You go back to the day you were anointed. You go back to the day you were appointed and you tell the Lord, you're the one who called me. You're the one who anointed me. You're the one who chose me. Now, Lord Jesus, vindicate me in front of my adversaries. Vindicate me in front of my haters. Vindicate me in front of those who speak against my calling. In the name of Jesus. The Bible says, and he turned from him towards another. And he turned towards another. The problem with some of us is we don't know how to let go of people. Can I tell you, not everyone you start with will be with you in the end. You want it that way. Even me, I want it that way. And I look for it that way. But the day we disagree about my calling, that is where our journey ends. There is a greater purpose. So my question for you today is this. Is there not a cause for you to walk towards God? Is there not a cause for you to walk in the destiny of God? David said, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Sometimes, women, you listen to people who don't even know the gift that is in you just because women are good listeners. You need to close your ears to some people and make a decision that I am going to follow what God and my spiritual authority have called me into. My question to you is this. Is there not a cause? We are closing. So when the haters begin to come, when people begin to carry you as ordinary, you do what Jesus did. Jesus told Judas, Judas, let's not talk too many stories. Go do what you're going to do and do it quickly. Jesus did not even give Judas attention. If you look at the disciples, Judas was one of the disciples that had the shortest conversations with Jesus. Jesus did not give Judah. Imagine, the time they had their longest conversation was when he said, go do what you're going to do. Read the Bible. Go do what you're going to do. It's okay. When the other conversation, just three, is when Judas was complaining about the feet being anointed. Sometimes you give your haters too much attention. Hands lifted in this place. We have a few more minutes. We are winding down. Lift up your voice and declare that I'm going to be focused. I'm not going to give haters attention. 
the people who God has sent for me, I'm the, they are the ones I'm going to run with. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I declare unto you right now, with the anointing that's in my life, I declare a divine focus. I declare a divine focus. There is a cause. There is a cause. As your pastor, I say unto you, there is a greater cause. There is a greater cause. There is a greater cause for you to walk in your anointing. Yes, you lost some people. You lost some people. Some people left your life. But anyone who's not in your life now, God never intended for them to be there. Focus on the eyes of God. Focus on what God has called you to do. And at the end of the day, those who are meant for you, they will come back to you. Those who are meant for you, they will come back to you. That does not mean you just throw people around. It just means that there is a greater cause and you must have the ability to turn when turning is required. If you believe it, put your hands together and bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord if you've been blessed with today's teaching in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you so much for joining us. I truly believe you have been blessed. If you have enjoyed this episode and would like to join Firebrand Nation, the movement, connect with us on social media at Firebrand Nation. Go to our website at www.firebrandnation.com. Remember, alone I'm a flame. Together we are a fire. Like, share, and distribute this so that others could be blessed. God bless you.